So we're talking in this home edit series, we're talking about how to uh, do a little home improvements. Sometimes you need more than uh, new sheetrock and paint. Sometimes you need some work on the inside of us. And we talked last couple of weeks about uh, marriage. Uh, Aunt Grace was here last week, gave us a great Mother's Day sermon. Thank you. Thank you. We've had, I don't have the exact numbers, but we had a good amount of money come in for Aunt Grace. We've had about 15,000 that's come in for our calling for the homeless ministry. About seven to 10,000 that's come in for Aunt Grace. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, so today I want to talk about how to be a better parent. Some of you are past this, you're not, uh, you're not parents any longer, but now you're grandparents. And so uh, even being a grandparent can be a challenge. We were, keeping, uh, we were keeping the grandkids, I think it was last week, we had uh, Elias with us, and uh, uh, he was being stubborn. Uh, what? I know it's hard to believe. And uh, so, we, you know, I was... I'm, I was putting him in his crib, and he'd cry, and I'd take him back out and love on him, put him back in his crib. <laughs> you know, we're, all, we're always parenting. We're still parenting. So uh, we want to talk about uh, how to be a better parent. Parenting's really hard. It's, it's really difficult. Uh, it's difficult because every child is different. It, it's, it, isn't it amazing how different your children, I mean, you know, you begin to wonder, you know, if the milkman was involved, uh, uh, but there's no such, they don't have milkman anymore, so it makes it a lot easier to figure that out, uh, that because they're just such different temperaments. We just, we just have three children, uh, and they're just so different. There's just such a span uh, of, of, in, in their temperaments, of what they're like. Uh, their different needs, their different interests. So it, it, it's really hard. And today's, I think, I think the challenge of today with the media challenges, the, the input, our kids are getting so much more input outside of us through that's, uh, that's contrary to what our own beliefs, that you're having to battle all the time. We're having to battle the, the, the beliefs that are being pushed on our kids from what used to be dependable sources of people that are going to help you raise your kids, and now they're filling them full of lies. And so it's a challenge. It's probably the greatest challenge today. Like, how are you going to manage the use of the phone and the input of the phone? Because uh, we're going to be talking about that more in the coming days, about those challenges for parenting. So uh, parenting is unbelievably hard. So how can, you, how can you be a better parent? First thing is that you individually, if you're going to be a better parent, you have to get your emotional tank filled so that you don't look to your child to fulfill you and give you value. Ephesians chapter 3 says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from every family in heaven and earth derived its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I've always loved this verse because Paul's basically saying, I want you to know the love of God that's unknowable. 
I want you to know it's beyond the limits. It's beyond your capacity to understand it. He said, but I want you to understand every bit of it you can. I want you to get all you can. I want you to be filled up to the fullness of God because you understand and believe that God loves you. If you understand and believe that God loves you, the fullness and the depths and the riches of Christ's love, then it becomes foundational for you. If you don't have that, you're going to be emotionally needy. You're going to look for other people to be filling your emotional tank. You're going to be asking people to do what it's very difficult for them to do. They can do some of it. I mean, it's, you know, you got married probably because you found somebody who loved you and you loved them, and they're helping you and they're, you're helping them, and they, they meet some of those emotional needs, but they can't meet all of them. If you try to get a person, a spouse, to fill you up, where you're empty emotionally, they will fail because they can do some, but they can't be enough. You have to, you have to build a foundation. So Paul is saying to the Ephesians, listen, I want you to be filled up with the fullness of God because God's fullness is immeasurable. If you will get a hold of the truth that God really loves you and he wants the very best for you, that he's sent his son to die for you. If, you would, if you'll understand the gospel that Jesus was was sent by the Father to die on your behalf so that you could be a part of God's eternal family, that God loves you so much that he displayed his justice in the wrath of God on the cross and the love of God on the cross, that in the cross everything we need is fulfilled in Christ. So if we understand that, if we, if we understand how much we're loved, it helps to fill our emotional tank. We don't look for our children to fill us. If you look for your children to fulfill you and give you life purpose and meaning, then you will tend to overly invest in their success and their failures, seeing it as a reflection of yourself instead of seeing their desires and needs. So you'll do what, what you'll be overly concerned about how they're doing because of how it reflects on you. You need to ask yourself, do I want this for them or do I want this for me? And see, because kids will do stuff. You say, well, they love it. They may love it or they may love that you love it. And it's hard to interpret. They may be, they may be all in on that activity because they see how much you like it. And they like being with you. They like your approval. You think, it doesn't seem like they like my approval. But they, they do. They want your approval. They want your love. And so often they will in, do things because you want them to do them. And so we just have to always be asking, be aware. Am I doing this because it meets a need in me to watch them do it? Or am I doing this because it meets a need in them? So we need to be asking that. Uh, number two, uh, if you want to be a great parent, you need to build a great marriage. We've talked about marriage the last couple of weeks. So since we talked about two weeks, you know everything you need to know about marriage. Uh, the most val valuable thing you can do for your children is to give them a home where there's a great marriage uh, that consistently demonstrates sacrificial love. That's what it takes to stay married. You have to consistently love each other sacrificially. So how do you build a great marriage? Well, it becomes more difficult when you have children. 
because they're little vampires. They suck the life out of your marriage. <laughs> they, they take incredible amounts of time. They take incredible amounts of energy. So before you know it, you don't have any, any energy left over for, any, for your spouse. You're just surviving. You're just making it through. So you have to figure out how to love your children and how to keep your marriage a priority. You have to have time away from your kids. And everybody that has kids says, yes, yes, hallelujah. hallelujah. And, that, and that's difficult because that, that requires a financial requirement often. So sometimes you have to find other people, other friends that are in the same uh, horrible situation <laughs> and and you and you say listen if you'll will you watch my kids so that we can have a date this weekend if you don't have grandparents nearby find some find you some grandparents there's there are grandparents in this room there are people that will be if you if you ask David and Pat Hertz to watch your kids they will do it So free, babys free babysitting for everyone right here. <laughs> okay, don't, okay, don't pile on David and Pat Hurts, okay. But, but there are people in this building that will help you. And, and there, are, there are other parents that, where you can, you can trade off. But you just have to, whether it's a, if, if it's a money issue and you can't afford to do it, you don't have to, you don't have to go and spend... $300 to have an evening. You can just go and eat a bologna sandwich somewhere and not have the distractions and just talk, have some time together, go to McDonald's and get a cup of coffee and a salad. They don't have salads at McDonald's. That was a joke. That was a joke. I, I did learn something important this week. If you're ever attacked by a bunch of clowns, go for the juggler. <laughs> Gotta throw a dad joke in every now and then, right? <laughs> so it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean that divorced or single parents can't raise great kids, but it does mean there, it does add a challenge. It does, it does a, a spouse not being in the house causes some challenges that are there. So if you want to great, raise great kids, you need to get your emotional tank filled and you need to have a great marriage. So you need to work at having a great marriage. And to have a great marriage is, is an ongoing, it's an ongoing work. You just have to keep working at it. Because you can have a great marriage this week and three weeks later, you can be in trouble because you, the things you said or did. So you have to continue work at building a great marriage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, a scourge is a whip. 
Now, the Romans used a scourge in such a way that when they beat Jesus, they beat him with a scourge. But the Romans took a whip and they made it a cat of nine tails. It had multiple ends on that whip. And at the end of that whip, that, those leather tongs, at the end of those leather tongs, they would tie uh, pieces of bone or pieces of metal or pieces of glass. So when they whipped Jesus back, it just, it just shredded his back. That's not what this is talking about. The actual the word scourge is a little whip. It's a little whip. So some of y'all got a little whip when you were growing up, right? Maybe a little switch or a spoon or a, a, we actually had a, we actually, somebody gave us, because they, you know, our kids, they knew our kids needed it. Uh, uh, somebody gave us, I think it was made by Whammo. Do you remember Whammo? They made toys. It was called the Fanny Frapper. Uh, it, <laughs> it was just a little, it was like a spoon, uh, a fanny frapper. So, a scourge. So, and he scourges every son whom we receive. So the Lord sometimes disciplines us in such a way that we feel it. It's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. But if you're without discipline, of which all have been become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Because it's just people who love their children discipline their children. We don't let them run wild. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. In other words, it has a good result. Good discipline has a good result. So you can inflict pain. You don't have to use a whip to inflict pain. Right? You can inflict pain by depriving of an activity or sending them to the room. There's different ways to inflict pain, but it has a result. Discipline has a result. So here are six principles of discipline that we learn from our Heavenly Father. Number one, be clear and specific about your expectations. It's like, I want you to clean your room. Well, you left yourself wide open there because you weren't specific enough. You have to say, uh, Rachel Rachel Williams was telling me between the services that her mom had a laminated card for every activity. So if you clean the kitchen... This is what, these are the responsibilities. This is what I'm expecting you to do, to wash the dishes, put away the dishes, sweep the floor, clean the floor. This is what a clean kitchen means to me. Because your children have a different view of clean than you do. All right? So you have to be specific. You know, so she said, you know, for, for every task, her mom had laminated cards and made the list. This is, what, this is what the expectations are. Clean your room. This is what the expectations are. So what is your definition of clean? Uh, it's not the same as theirs. Uh, you have to say exactly what you expect because they're great. Children are great at finding loopholes. 
I don't, probably one of your children is an attorney in the making. Have you noticed that? One of your children is very good. I always thought Logan might end up being in the, he always had closing arguments. Uh, <laughs> he's not in here to defend himself, but he's getting the baptism ready. But he, that was his nature. Uh, and he's, and he, we didn't beat it out of him. He still does it. Uh, <laughs> Just a few whippings more would help. Uh, <laughs> see, it's like if you say, I want all the dirty clothes in the hamper. You know, I don't know. There, there's an age that your kids will get to, and maybe, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is anymore. You know, it may be very young. But where they will try on clothes that have been folded and put away, they'll try on those clothes and then just throw them on the floor. It's like, uh, those aren't dirty. And so, you know... Uh, those need to be hung back up, right? But so, so you have those expectations. So, you know, I want dirty clothes in the hamper, the clean clothes that you tried on that you didn't wear that you threw on the floor, I want you to hang back up. I'm not going to wash those again. Uh, I want the toys put away. You just have to be specific. You have to give clear results. When you do this, then you can do this. If you don't do this, you don't get to do this. You know, when you when you... When you finish cleaning your room, then you can have your phone back, or you can spend an hour on your phone, or 40, you know, 15 minutes on your phone, whatever your, your rules are. But if you, don't, if you don't do this, you don't get to do this. You have to be specific, and you have to give clear reasons. And, and, and one clear reason, I, you may not agree with this, but I think one clear reason is because I said so. I mean, at every age, there are things your children don't understand yet. And we talked about this, you know, we've talked about this in the past. If you look at your 10-year-old self when you're 20, your 10-year-old self was an idiot. And then when you're 30, if you look at your 20-year-old self, your 20-year-old self was an idiot. And if you're, when you're 40... And you look back at your 30-year-old self, your 30-year-old self was not all that bright. It's getting better, but not all that bright. In other words, when you, when you look back, so, but when you're, when you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, you think in that moment you're brilliant. <laughs> you, think you, you think you know it all. So th there are times in your children's lives where they're going to be asking questions and wanting privileges beyond their knowledge. And so sometimes, like, they're going to ask you why, and they're just asking why as a point of disobedience. They just don't want to do it. They're just saying why. So that basically what they're saying is no. But they've they know that no is going to get them in trouble. So they couch it in a why. And a reasonable response, not every time, but a reasonable response is sometimes because I said so. Because I'm your parent, and I love you, and I'm responsible for you, and there's things about this situation. You, you can say all of this to them, and it doesn't make any difference. 
there's things about this situation that I know that you don't know that I understand that you don't understand because I believe it or not I've been where you are before and I'd made some stupid mistakes I'm trying to save you so I'm saying to you right now you don't understand it the answer is because I said so and I don't know if you know about this but all your life you're gonna have to do stuff that bosses and other people tell you and you don't get to say I don't want to do that well, you can, you just want to stay, keep a job. I mean, life is that way, that you, you, you don't always get an explanation that, that you like. So, so you need to, uh, you know, give clear reasons. Uh, I want you to know how to start a task and finish a task because you need to do your part in this family. Everybody in this family has to pull, is doing their part. You need to do your part. So you need to give clear reasons. Number two, you need to be convincing. Sometimes it's hard to be convincing of kids because it's hard to get their attention. Different children require different things to get their attention. Some children uh, respond differently. With some children, you can give them a, just look at them. And they just melt. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean. Some children, you tell them no and they like bow up, like come on, old man. Come on. <laughs> you know, like I can, I think I can take you. It's like, okay, Elias, calm down. It's like, it's like they, just, they just bow up at you like, like they're mad. Uh, so you, you, you have to, you know, you, you got to get their attention. Sometimes it's hard to get their attention. Uh, uh, be steadfast. Don't be wishy-washy. Uh, you can be firm without being loud or mean. Uh, volume doesn't equal authority. Get control. Be the parent, not the friend. There's going to be a time when your children are your friends. When they're teenagers is probably not the time. Uh, there, but there's going to be a time when it's, I mean, my, my kids are my friends now. I, I love, it's great spending time with my with my kids, all of them, I love it. It's, it's a joy. It's the joy of my life is to get, spend time with my kids. Uh, but, but when they're teenagers, it's, it's not a time that you're worried about whether they like you or not. Think about this. The personality traits you see in your toddler will be multiplied when they become a teenager. When do you think it's easier to win the battle with them? When they're toddlers or when they're teens? So, be convincing. Get their attention. Sometimes that's difficult. Number three, be consistent. Which is very difficult. One of the things that makes consistency difficult is that we've already kind of touched on this, is that your children's personalities are different. So what worked on one kid won't work on, the one, on another kid. What, what crushed one kid won't even dent another kid. I mean, one kid is, you know, e easy to, dis you, if they, oh, they've displeased you and they just repent in sackcloth and ashes. <laughs> and, you know, what, how do I make it? And the other, they just, you know, it's like, so? So... So it's, it's difficult, but you want, to, you want to try to be consistent. And that doesn't mean that every child gets the same punishment. 
It's just that you need to be consistent about what's wrong is wrong as much as you can to be consistent about what your expectations are so that you can uh, keep your guidelines. Try to, try to be consistent and the same. Keep your word with both punishment and reward. Be truthful with your kids. Keep your methods. You know, because we need to learn. Bad things happen to people who do bad, who do bad things. And I'm teaching you to obey. I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. So be consistent. And that is a great challenge because it's, we're, we're, we're tired and we're at the end of our emotional rope. Let's, so you, you need to be consistent with your kids even when your marriage is not doing great. And you need to be consistent with your kids even when your job's not doing great and you're broke. And all of those pressures play into how you're going to deal with your kids. But in the midst of all that, the goal is, the challenge is, I need to try to be the same loving, consistent parent that I, that I am when things are going great. That 15 minutes ago last week, things were going great. I need to be that parent. Because life is that way. Number four, be convicting, not condemning. Condemnation is general Uh, conviction is specific. The Bible tells us in Romans, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. God never condemns us. God never shouts out from heaven, you're a lousy Christian. I'm sorry I ever made you a Christian. God doesn't do that. That's condemnation. I'm disappointed in you. But he does say, he does convict us of our behavior. Because if you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you tell a lie, the Holy Spirit will say, "Uh, what are you doing? Who, me? Yeah, stop that. You need to tell the truth. You serve the God of truth. He doesn't condemn us, but he convicts us. It's very clear. We see it all through Scripture that God convicts us of our sin. He convicts us of behavior that's not in line with Christ. The goal is Christ-likeness, and where are things in our life that are not like Christ, the Holy Spirit will lovingly point them out. Not all at once, or we would be overwhelmed. But he will consistently, he is sanctifying you, he is conforming you to the image of his son, so he will consistently say, you know, bring things to mind that you need to deal with. Conviction is specific. Don't do that. That was what you did right there was wrong. That was a wrong activity. You never say you're a bad boy. You never say I don't love you. You say you're a good boy. Good boys don't do this. Attack the behavior, not the child. Did you get that? Attack the behavior, not the child. Shame never produces righteous fruit. It's a quick fix. The, The enemy uses shame. You never will. You always have. In other words, the, shame, the enemy likes to condemn you with your failures and lock you into your failures with shame. Has anybody here ever messed up? Right. God forgives us, but the enemy wants to bring them up. 
You remember last week when you lost your temper? Yeah. The enemy wants to shame you. But God wants to convict you, and he wants you, to, he wants you to overcome them. See, shame doesn't produce good fruit, but it works. Shame works. So a lot of times we will result to what works, but what is going to have a long-term negative effect, but a short-term positive effect. Be careful not to use shame in the moment just because it will work. Is this making sense to you? So you, instead of shame, you want to you wanna be specific. You want to say, hey, this is, I love you so much. I love you so much. But when you throw yourself down on the floor and kick and have a fit, it makes it, it, makes it hard for me to want to you know, give you everything I want to give you. I want to give you greater freedom and greater blessings. Just That's what God wants to do in your life. And a lot of times I, we're... <laughs> We're so in so rebellion, we miss what God wants to do for us. So be convicting and condemning. Be convicting, not condemning. Number five, be compassionate. The anger of man does not fulfill the righteousness of God. You're going to get angry sometimes. Right? You ever lose your temper when you were a parent? Anybody here? You, you know, you get, a little, you get a little more forgiveness from your kids once they have their own kids. <laughs> they understand. I mean, I, I always thought, I'm, I'm going to be a better parent than my dad. Then after I had kids, I thought, man, I hope I can be as good a parent as my dad was. <laughs> he was a great parent. I, I suck at this. He's a great parent. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lose your temper sometimes, and you need to admit when you do. You need to come back and apologize and say, hey, kids, and, and I think all of my kids will tell you that I apologize quite a bit because <laughs> I, I, I blew it a lot. I wasn't a great parent all the time. I tried. I tried, but I, did, I failed so often, and I'd have to go back to my kids and say, I'm, you know, because sometimes in the moment, it's like you want to... You were like, you're grounded for the rest of your life. And then, then, you, then you think, I just grounded myself. That seemed like such a great idea, but I, that means now I can't go anywhere. I grounded them, and they grounded me. So, you, so you th- then you go back and say, okay, you're grounded for three days. <laughs> You rethink it, or, and you change, and, and you repent. You say, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, your kids need to hear you say, I'm sorry. I messed up. I didn't do that right. I didn't handle that well. I could have handled it better. I, I'm sorry. Please, will you forget? You know, I've, I've asked my kids multiple times, and I'm sure I'm not done, <laughs> for them to forgive me. So be compassionate. Hold them, hug them, heal them. Don't withhold love. You never want to withhold love. They, all, you, they always need to know absolutely that they are loved. And then number six, be confirming. You just need to release forgiveness. Release forgiveness. Let them know. Yeah, okay, I forgive you. That's a horrible thing that happened. Yeah, you broke that. Yeah, this happened. 
You're way more important than any of this stuff. I forgive you. And you just reaffirm their love. You rejoice with them. And just that they always know, that they always know. There should be no doubt in their mind that you love them. And you got to tell them a lot. Because it's just like, just the, the way the world system works, it just, it just sucks that out of you. And the enemies, at the, at the same time, you're telling them, I, I love you. You know what the enemies tell them? No, they don't. No, they don't. So you have to always just continue. I love you. You're precious to me. I'm excited about your future. I believe in you. You are going to accomplish great things. You've got such potential in you. Oh, God is going to use you to do great things. It, it, you know, you're such a joy. It's been such a pleasure having you as, as one of my children. I'm so thankful for you. Just kids need to just be loaded down with that. If you, you want to keep your daughter, you want to keep your daughter from running to some dirty-legged boy, <laughs> then you need to be telling that daughter how much she's loved so she's not trying to find love somewhere else. She needs to know that, hey, at home, I am loved. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to make mistakes. They're going to, have you made any mistakes? Just a few. So you're going to have to help them through their mistakes and through their failures. And in the midst of it, let them know that they are loved. Amen. Discipline not supposed to be harsh, but it is supposed to be loving and correcting. You're not attacking the child. You're attacking the problem. Amen. Don't have time to walk around. On point. All right, let's stand. We're going to sing one song. I tell you what, while they're coming, getting ready, let's just pray. We pray for every child in this place in every classroom, all around this building, in this room, they're so precious to us. They're so valuable. They are, they are, they are the kingdom. Jesus, Jesus didn't say they, they will be the kingdom. He said, for such is the kingdom of God. Children are the kingdom of God in our midst. So, Lord, you've given us a great responsibility, opportunity to love them and direct them and lead them in your will for their lives. And it's such a hard job. We're, we're being fought on every front, every direction, lies and deception of the enemy are being poured into the lives of our children. So, Lord, help us, help us to come combat the lies with your love and your truth and your goodness. Help us, Lord, be great parents because it's so important. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Amen. Amen.